Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 61, which begins with Toe Cutter holding Grease Rat by the nose, and it ends with Jesse finding a severed hand hanging from the roof rack. Good Monday morning, Julia. Happy Monday. So, before we sat down and recorded for today, we went downstairs and we watched the crew commentary of the minute that we're going to talk about right now. Yes. And the entire time that Toe Cutter has a hold of the Grease Rat's nose, all they're doing is talking about how big Nick Lathoris's <laughs> nose is. I think they yeah. actually call it a signpost at one point. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They reiterate that it was Hugh Keysburn's idea and that not even the actor, uh, Nick? Nick Lathoris, yeah. Yeah, not even he knew that uh, Hugh was going to grab his nose. Yeah, they were very cordial. They they apologized to Nick yes. in the commentary, <laughs> but at the same time, just drawing attention to how big his nose was. They said it was almost impossible to resist yeah. reaching out and you grabbing just it. had to. But going back to the story, I mentioned last week this idea that the grease rat is kind of a, maybe not... Maybe an informant? Oh, no, that's, yeah. that's too formal a word. Yeah, like not necessarily a direct associate, but in some way has come in contact with this group of bikies before. Yeah, maybe has an understanding that... Like protection for information type mm-hmm. of thing. Because he just gives up this information so freely. Yes. And with no prompting whatsoever. I mean, he was already going to say everything he already said without getting grabbed. Yeah, he didn't need the motivation of, I guess, a threat of physical violence mm-hmm. to give up the information... Which you hear in his tone. He, after he gets nose grabbed and is saying, you know, everything he knows, he's got this tone, this attitude in his voice. And I recognize it because I've done it. <laughs> Giving up information that you were going to give up anyways. And if the person asking had had two seconds more patience, you would have given it up freely. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recognized his tone there. Yeah, I think the grease rat was on his way. He was getting to that point. Yes. But Toe Cutter didn't want to sit there and listen to the whole situation of them leaving the tire behind or needing it fixed or him going to work on it. Which, let's be real. We said this many times last week. I'm going to say it again. He was taking his sweet time getting to that tire. And there was no way that he was going to fix it in any sort of reasonable time frame. Do you think... That Toe Cutter himself has experienced the Grease Rat and how he communicates before. Mm. Do you think he knows that the Grease Rat is our round is a is a roundabout kind of guy and he has information, he just spills everything out. So on the one hand, Toe Cutter has prior experience with the Grease Rat, he knows how to handle the Grease Rat. On the other hand, Toe Cutter just has no patience for fools and i feel like both options are equally valid yes yeah so do i Mm. i agree yeah considering that we see toe cutter and did i see bella i don't know in a later minute we're gonna see toe cutter back at the mechanic shop and 
So that kind of tells me that they're familiar with this establishment, especially considering that just beyond it is seems to be a popular camping spot for the Acolytes. Yes. Now, we do get some hints that the gang works on their own bikes, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean occasionally they don't need help from an actual professional mechanic. Yeah. So it seems quite advantageous of them to form a relationship with a mechanic shop. Yeah, because even if... The repair is minor. Some things are just easier to do when you have the proper tools. Yes. And you don't always have the proper tools when you're out on the road. Absolutely. You can only keep so much with you. Mm -hmm. You know, a basic set. So, yeah. Yep. This whole idea of them coming back and having prior experience, it totally makes sense to me, at least. I think so. So, Tokata reiterates, who are they? Grease Rat says, a couple passing through. Said they were heading north. Maybe. And I found that response to be kind of interesting sounding. Mm -hmm. Because the way the Grease Rat says it, he's attributing the information directly to the couple. He's not making any sort of statement like, I think they're heading north. Or, I got the sense that they were heading north. He said, they said they were heading north. Maybe. So that way, if Toe Cutter is unable to find the van, they can't go back to the Grease Rat and say, hey, you gave us bad information, because he could say, hey, I gave you exactly what they gave me. Yes. Like, he's kind of covering his own butt here. It makes a lot of sense. Yes, and that actually, to me, reiterates your idea that he is working for them in some way. Mm -hmm. That he already knows he needs to choose his words a little carefully to place responsibility on the original source of the information and not himself. Yeah, it kind of gives me the feeling that the movie is saying that these two characters, this is not the first time they've met. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... It, it just reinforces all these suppositions I've had. But we cut from Toe Cutter and the Grease Rat at the mechanic shop, and then we catch up with the van, which is kind of pulling off to the side of the road by a river. Mm -hmm. And we start off with this kind of high shot of the van, and it, really having it framed this way, it really draws attention to the fact that there is a surfboard lashed to the top of that, and we never see anybody use it. Correct. I mean, that's a pretty big thing to take along on vacation and never actually end up using. Now, granted, we haven't seen them necessarily go to the ocean, per se. I mean, we've seen them stop by the river, and Jesse eventually goes to the ocean. Yes, and the the area of ocean that Jesse, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesse goes to, I can't recall. Do we see the water much? It's very calm. There's yeah, it's very calm, so maybe waves. it's like in a bay, somewhere protected from the waves. Mm -hmm. So do you think perhaps they were on their way to somewhere else? This wasn't their destination, this was just a stopping point for mm. some rest and relaxation? Well, it's hard to say if they were going specifically to surf somewhere, because the place they end up, May's Farm, I mean, you gotta hike for at least three minutes of movie time yeah. <laughs> before you can get to the beach, and even then, it's not a good surfing beach, and so it kind of makes me wonder why they would even bother to bring along a surfboard other than the fact that Australians love surfing. Yes. And it's, I, I think that tells us that this was not their final destination. Yeah. That May's farm was just kind of a stopping point. a stopping point. point. And in the next few minutes, we get some some hints that they are familiar with this area. People yeah. there are familiar with them. So I think their ultimate destination was further north. Mm, that makes sense. To somewhere that was a good surfing spot. But it's a shame that we didn't get a surfing movie out of this. Yeah, I mean... We, I mean, we see Jesse go to the beach and she could have just taken that surfboard and brought it down to the water. Or, But then again, like if Jesse wasn't the surfer, then that would be like, well, Max is the only other one that's adult sized enough 
to be a surfer. So we could have had Mad Max the surfing movie. Yes. It could have been like Point Break or something like that. <laughs> With Max going to the beach and infiltrating a bunch of surfers. I mean, <laughs> we could have gotten a completely different type of movie. I mean, because heaven knows, I mean, Australian surfing movies are so rare. I mean, what have we got? Uh, I mean, it's just like Drift, Morning of the Earth... Thicker Than Water, Busting Down the Door, Fighting Fear, Minds in the Water, Storm Surfers 3D, Crystal Voyager, Storm Riders, Bra Boys, B Blood is Thicker Than Water, Stephanie in the Water, Momentum, Under the Influence, The Fantastic Plastic Machine, Puberty Blues, Bunyip Dreaming, Newcastle, Uncharted Waters. Like, we don't get any Australian surfing movies. Yeah, few and far between. Yeah, it's really an untapped genre. Okay, can we just cut back? <laughs> Was that one called Puberty Blues? Yes. Yes, yes, there was. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was made in 1981. Okay. But anyway, getting back to the movie. Yeah. So they kind of stop along the riverbank here. And as, well, I was going to say as soon as the van stops, the dog jumps out of the window. But I think he starts bolting out of the window before the van even comes to a full stop. Yes. And <laughs> Max notices this. He, he, I don't know, he makes a little face, a little curious, wondering why the dog was so eager to get out of the car. Mm. And actually, I'm curious at Max's curiosity. Yeah. Because most animals would prefer to be not in a car rather than in a car. Mm -hmm. So given the opportunity to jump out the window, they might take it. Especially a young dog who isn't trained by its new owners. Yeah. Who literally just met his new owners. Yes. Like, what, a day ago? I think so. It's kind of hard like to tell, but I think so. Like, this is still a very fresh dog to this family. Yes. And so... He has being, no training. Being stuck in the back of that van with Sprague as they're jumbling down the road, like, of course he would jump out the first chance he gets. Yes. Yeah. And in the next shot, we see the dog kind of running along the side of the van towards the back. Just off into the field yes and as max kind of turns his way back in jesse is talking about uh someone something i, I don't know i'm, I'm kind of unsure about this like on the one hand i have a really good idea of who she's talking about but on the other hand like for years watching this movie i've thought it was someone else basically after jesse and max put sprog in the back she says i can still see his face now looked as if he'd swallowed a brick now, and, I immediately thought that she was talking about Toe Cutter. I never oh, thought anything else. For years, for years, I thought she was talking about Sprague looking like he swallowed a brick because she'd been driving so crazy. Like, because oh, he was the... okay. And I mean, they're holding Sprague. Yeah. Right before she says that. And so I just... Oh. It just felt obvious to me. But in watching this so many, so many times, I had to realize that... You know, as soon as she need toe cutter, yeah, he kind of looked like he had swallowed a brick. <laughs> yeah. Now that you explain it, I kind of, I can see how it goes both ways. Mm. She could be talking about either Sprague or toe cutter. And I mean, the the rules of grammar that when you use, I'm not, okay, I'm not great on the rules of grammar, so bear with me. When you use a, like a he, she, they, it refers to the last person that you named by name, mm -hmm. which... Or the per the last person, person you were uh, talking to? Yes. It's the pronoun game. <laughs> yes. Which would have been Sprague. Yeah, because as the dog is running out the win window and running along the side of the van, Jesse's like talking to Sprague, saying like, yeah, do you want to like drive the car? Yeah, well, and, yeah. we wouldn't have a car anymore into the back. And so... Oh, that's what she says. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't understand. That's, that's great. Yeah, because she's got Sprague in her lap and she's behind the wheel. And so she talks about how... If Sprague were to try and drive the car, him being 
an 18 month year old yeah <sighs> i said it again 18 month year old 18 so month dumb old. anyway if this toddler baby were trying to drive the car he would drive them straight into a tree or something like that yeah Okay, that's cute. But yeah, because she's talking to Sprog and interacting with Sprog when she says, I can still see his face now, my instant thought was, okay, Sprog looked like he had swallowed a brick. Yeah, because he was crying and very, very upset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, his ice cream was going places that weren't his mouth, and uh -huh. so he was upset. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I can see how it goes both ways. I do think she's talking about the toe cutter, mm -hmm. but grammatically speaking, she's talking about Sprog. Yeah, and so Ma when Max leans back and says, well, what a mean old lady are you? And then he says, huh, boss? And he's kind of talking to Sprog yeah. when he says that. And so I got this whole sense for, like I said, long time watching this movie. And it's just recently that I got the sense that, no, they weren't talking about Sprog. They were talking about the toe cutter. And so that kind of changes the tone of this conversation because they're no longer talking about Sprog looking distressed. They're joking about the harassment situation that Jesse just went through. Yes. And first it tells us that she's already told Max everything. Mm -hmm. Which is totally understandable because oh, yes. she speeds into the mechanic shop, tells Max to get in and they leave the tire behind. Yeah. Of course, his first question is going to be asked. What's going, what's going on? on? So yes, I think she told him what went on, but I think think she might have sugarcoated it made it seem like less of a harrowing situation maybe downplayed the amount of people that were there giving her a hard time or really downplayed how threatening he was you know what i mean yes i think we've talked a lot about how max protects her and she may be doing the same thing yeah and i mean of course she wouldn't want max to worry necessarily but she... at the same time yeah, she also may not want him to overreact. Yeah. She may feel like, all right, let's just get out of danger, and then that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, perhaps, if Max found out and knew the the true extent of what had happened, he would want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and there's... she's not taking that chance. We're going to see tomorrow a couple of characters discussing this situation and there are some people that are concerned there are some people that are fairly dismissive and they're all various levels of that given their information on the situation mm -hmm. and i think that really ties back to you know what did she tell max how in-depth did she go how much information does he really have mm -hmm. i yeah i agree i think she's holding back to protect him mm. and I think we're definitely going to have to put a pin in this for later on in the movie because, you know, something bad is happening in minute 74. It's coming sooner than you think. And Max is going to get really upset, you know, after that happens. And this is kind of more for tomorrow. But, you know, he's hearing the situation. He's not reacting super serious about it. And so that might come back and haunt him a little bit. The, the levity... The levity with which he treats the experience that she just had. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. Yeah. I, I'm sure that that is part of the madness of Max. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a bookmark in here so that we can refer back to it. Definitely. Yes, definitely. So Max calls her a mean old lady and then she like leans over in the car and she like starts punching him. She says, that's enough out of you, mate. And gives him a good old ribbing, so to speak. Yes. They're very playful with each other. Oh it's yeah. Sweet. It's part of their charm, yes. I think. But... As they're doing that, we get a shot of the side of the van and we hear like this whimpering sound and it's supposed to be the dog. 
because the dog has found something. Yes, he and has. It's like, okay, I've been around a lot of dogs. Um, and I have never heard them make that sound when they've found something to play with. You know, whether it's an animal or a stick or something, it's never that whimpering. That whimpering is kind of reserved for, you know... When they get hurt. They've stepped on something sharp or, you know, something is aggravating them to the fact that they're... Or to the point that they're distressed. Like, the the... The choice to use that specific sound effect doesn't make sense to me. I agree, but when a dog is when a dog is happy with something that they found, do they really make noise? I mean, they don't bark, they don't whine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard them make like playful barking noises, like not That's aggressive true. loud barks, but more like playful yips and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe some growling trying to get it off, get it, trying to detach it from the car so he can go play with it. In his own space. Yeah. So maybe some growling there. It just seemed like an odd choice. It did. But they had to use some sort of sound effect that would reach into the car and catch Jesse's attention. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's not a normal sound. I should go check it out. Yeah. And so she leans out the window. She says, what's the matter with you? And then she kind of gets out and walks along. And as she rounds the back of the van, she can see that the dog is messing with something on the end of a chain. And she says, what do you got there, mate? And and it kind of reminded you the fact that they haven't really given the dog a name yet. Yes. And actually, the lines that she says calling out for him as she's getting out of the car, walking down the side, it it almost sounds like, you know, when you're in a social situation and you can't remember somebody's name. <laughs> calling them sport or slugger. Yes. And like purposely avoiding calling them by name because can't remember what it is. That's what it sounds like. It mm. sounds like they purposely didn't give the dog a name, which we theorized a few minutes ago that they've only had the dog for maybe a day or two. Mm -hmm. So it's quite possible that they haven't named it yet, but that does seem odd. Yeah. Well, it's important that we don't get too emotionally connected to the dog. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a happy ending movie. We should try and keep our emotions in check. Exactly. Exactly. When, um... When we were watching the crew commentary, they were saying that even in lighthearted moments, there's still that kind of undertone of of a threat. Oh, yes. This is the perfect example of this. We just saw some playfulness between the family and it was really sweet. And a lot of the tension from what had happened previously with speeding off seemed to be gone. Mm -hmm. And then it comes right back when she gets out of the car. Like even when they're having a moment of levity, something bad is happening right behind their car yeah and so like i said she gets to the corner and she kind of kneels down to see what the dog has found and it's here that we kind of get a an imdb goof um specifically sorted under the crew or equipment visible it depends on what version of the movie you're watching yes because on the blu-ray they crop it out on the dvd they don't necessarily crop it out but if you follow the chain up to the top corner of the frame you can see a crew member holding on to the chain because when they originally shot it in like that uh I think it's a three four aspect ratio i mean that crew member's hand wouldn't have been in there and if they letterbox it the right way you don't see it but just they kind of goofed up when they released it on the dvd <laughs> yeah and it. i think that happens a lot i know there was a big story a little while ago about friends mm. where when they i think it was when they reframed it for maybe when they put it out on netflix mm-hmm. you can see like the look-alike stand-ins <laughs> <laughs> that were when it was on tv they were out of view mm-hmm. but now that it's on netflix you can clearly see people who like kind of look like rachel or kind of look like monica standing off to the side so that the actors don't have to be there 
but the people talking to them have someone to look at yeah who's in their proper place yeah because i mean the way the chain is hanging down through the shot if they had had it hanging off of the roof rack it kind of would have just been different it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been perfect for the angle and the frame that they were going for. Yes, they wanted to. <clears throat> they wanted it to look just so. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all part of the movie magic. Yeah, it's part of the movie magic that <laughs> that it converting older movie magic to newer movie magic. Sometimes you get there things are like some, this. Yeah, yeah. But Jesse kneels down and she kind of pushes the dog away or reaches down to the chain, and <sighs> we get a close up on Jesse's eyes and they go wide and. <laughs> We see her eyes, they go white, and then we see what is on the end of that chain. And let's see, how did the crew describe it? A dollar store prop hand with a piece of pork chop hanging off of it to attract the dog. Yes. And it is so like, a very cheap effect. Oh, it is gray <clears throat> and Yeah, well painted. Dirty and And I just I know Kundalini is a villain here. Mm-hmm. But I really, really feel for him. I mean Having your hand ripped off in that way is horrendous. Yeah. And I just cannot imagine. I just, I I can't, I cannot imagine how awful that must have been for Kundalini. Yeah, because it definitely flew in the face of his original plan. Like, his original plan was probably, okay, take the chain, step one. Step two, hit the van with the chain. Yeah. Step three, window breaks. Step four, van. Hooray. But just the unluck that he had of wrapping around that roof rack and having this speeding car pull him off his feet and pull his hand just off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no surprise that later on in the movie he looks as sickly as he does. Yeah, I don't remember the next time we see him. We see him next after Jesse gets back from the beach. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. The the two and we from the beach. Get to the beach first. That's a bit of a haul. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were complaining about Goose's motorcycle ride? Oh, yeah. That was nothing compared to what's coming up. Yeah. 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 I, a ferry service or, you know, bus ride would have been a lot faster, it seems. But <laughs> it's May's farm. She doesn't have, you know, a quick way to and from the aspects. Or rewind again. It's May's farm. She doesn't have, you know, like a quick way to go to the far end of her property or anything like that. Yeah. Aside from this hand looking awful and the implication of Kundalini having it torn off so violently, like, it's got most of its fingers wrapped around the chain, but one of the fingers is is standing up, and it's the ring finger, and I'm like, okay. So they really missed an opportunity with these fingers standing up, to instead of having just the mi- ring finger standing up, they could have stood up the index and middle finger and given it the classic forks gesture, as if he was trying to flip off Jesse and Max as one final... <laughs> you know, post-arm gesture of how the hand would necessarily be feeling. Yes. And even if they only had the option of putting up one finger, they could have used the middle finger instead of the ring finger for us, you know, Americans that do things differently. It would still be a vulgar gesture. But the more I thought about it, it's like that level of cheekiness would definitely fit in in like the Evil Dead movies. Maybe not so much this first Mad Max movie. But even so, just the fact that one finger is standing up. I'm like, oh, missed opportunity, guys. Missed opportunity. Yeah, it would have been funny. Yeah. (laughs) But Jessie is not laughing at this hand that she has found because she responds to it by 
flinging herself against the side of the van with her hands raised. And she just lets out a single yell of Max's name and then covers her mouth. Like, total overreaction movie response. Okay. I have never seen anyone react that way. Okay, I agree that it's a dramatic movie response. But I would challenge you, for one, have you ever seen a severed hand? Unexpectedly. No. So you've never experienced that reaction yourself. Have you ever seen somebody have a reaction after seeing a severed hand? Can't say I have. No. So you have no idea how people would react. The only context you have is movies. And for a lot of things that movies experience, that's the only way, the only time we see people react to stuff like that. Because that just doesn't happen to most people in their normal lives. Yeah. But a lot of the times when people find severed body parts in movies and TV shows, their immediate response is revulsion. Not like flinging themselves back like they're in some sort of antebellum south okay no i did see that as a revulsion she spun around the car to get away from it quickly which put her back up against the car Mm. and then her hands she had been quite close to the hand so she pulled them back again in revulsion they ended up like above her shoulders I think, especially for being dramatic movie response, I thought it was very good and yeah. accurate. I, I thought it Although was Although I have so no context looking. for that either. Yeah. I did really appreciate that she didn't go all damsel in distress and just scream until somebody, you know, reacted to her. Mm-hmm. She called for the person who at that moment could honestly help her. Yeah. The one person that she knows that probably has seen stuff like that. Yeah. And the only <laughs> other person around. Yeah. So she had she had her wits about her enough to not just do a generic scream, but to call for Max. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate her not going full screen queen with that. Yes. It really reminds you that Jessie is not your typical, you know, frail woman who needs to lean on her guy type of thing. No, of character. she is very tough. And we have learned a lot about her toughness in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. So after she yells for Max, we get a fade up, fade to black. We fade up from black and the van is on the move. They're going somewhere to meet someone and we get the tiniest little bit of, of view at the person they, they find at the end of this drive. Yes. But that happens tomorrow. Yeah. So we will talk about it tomorrow. In the meantime... Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. We also have a listeners page. So on while you're on Facebook, search for Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone and join us there. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 61. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men. Take me to the